And this morning, I'd really love to share the dream with you. Some of you have probably heard it before. I, th- I was thinking, Melissa, I think, I think I shared it with you like the day that I kind of, or the week that I had it. So, you know, some people have been on this dream journey for a while. And so I want to share that with you and then share some of what God has opened my very imperfect and often slow to learn, yet still transforming heart um, as a result of this dream. So I hope that my words um, bless you, that they encourage you and leave you desiring and stepping into a more intimate relationship with God. So on to the dream. I can honestly say that it was no ordinary dream. Like it was, I don't know, it was probably the most memorable and impacting and just like emotionally charged dream that I've ever had. And in the dream, my husband and I, Luke, Luke and I, sorry, we had a baby girl and she was so beautiful. Um, I'd say she was probably about six months old and like I can still see what she looks like, what she looked like in the dream. She had big blue eyes and fair hair and like one of those big gorgeous smiles that just like lights up the room. And in the dream, as soon as I saw her, I just was filled with the most powerful feeling of love for her. You know, she was a part of me and I loved her so much. And I actually hadn't had kids at this point. So this feeling was like really new, like it was not something I'd ever experienced. And it was actually a bit overwhelming. I mean, I don't know, for those of you who have kids, it's like people always say, oh, you've never known love until you've held your baby in your arms and all that stuff. So I hadn't felt any of that before. So this dream, it was like, boom. Um, It was so real. And I can still feel that feeling of love towards this like dream baby, really, all these 11 years later. But, you know, the dream was not full of all, like, all the warm, fuzzy, lovey feelings. It was actually a really heartbreaking dream. Um, Because for some unknown reason, we didn't actually have custody of our baby girl. Yeah, that's how real it felt. I get emotional about it 11 years later. And she didn't live with us. Um, She was in the full-time custody of a couple who came to this church. And as a result... Sunday mornings at church were the only time that we ever got to see her and spend time with her. Yeah. In the dream, I was actually standing sort of up the back of the auditorium up there. And I don't know, nothing much took place in the dream. It was more like the feeling and the emotion. But I just remember seeing her and the joy and the love that I felt in getting to see her and hold her for those precious moments. And that was all mixed together with like this turmoil and heartache knowing that all too soon my time with her would be over knowing it'd be another week till I saw her again knowing that I was missing out on getting to be her mum seeing all her firsts missing out on getting to hug and comfort her when she was sad missing out on getting to really know her and missing out on her really getting to know me for me to really be her mum and I would have given anything to take her home but I wasn't able to I hope you're picking up that this felt really real, like, because it did. It was so emotionally charged and intense and, I don't know, like I, like I said, I still get emotional thinking about it. After I woke up from the dream, I'm like, okay, God, what does this mean? This has to mean something like this can't just be, you know, from a cheeseburger that I ate or something, right? And so for a couple of days afterwards, I was like really racking my brain. I'm asking God, like, come on, God, 
I remember talking to my dad about it. I'm like, Dad, like this dream, and I don't know what it means. And then one night, I was actually at an event at church. I was sitting like right here where Nev is, and like, boom. It was like in a split second, the Holy Spirit just dropped the meaning of the dream into my heart. And he showed me that the baby in the dream was actually a picture of me. And that all the love that I felt in the dream was a glimpse into how God feels about me. And how all the heartache I felt in the dream was how God feels when the only time I allow him to spend with me is maybe once a week during church on a Sunday. Ouch. (laughs) And wow. And big eye opener. You know, the dream was like God had shown me his father's heart and allowed me to feel what he feels, to feel how much he loves me and how much he longs to spend time with me. And really, how much he loves you and how much he longs to spend time with you too. You know, he allowed me to feel what I'm sure was just a snippet of the heartbreak that he must feel when he too only gets such a limited time to spend with me. Talk about an eye-opening and perspective-shifting dream, hey? You know, God created me and he created you for a relationship with him and he he wants to be my full-time dad to be there to care for me, to look after me, to protect me, to guide me and teach me and raise me. And he desires for me to be dwelling with him, to be my loving heavenly dad 24-7 and not just on Sunday mornings or whenever other little snippet of time I might spend with him. You know, the thing with God is that he like never forces himself upon us and he's given us the power to choose him or to not choose him. James 4 verse 8 says how when we move our hearts closer and closer to God, that he will move even closer to us. You know, God showed me through this dream that it's up to me to let him in and allow him to have full custody of my heart and to not just give him a Sunday morning visit or sometimes, honestly, no visit at all. You know, it's my choice and it's your choice. It's a pretty big like responsibility that we have. You know, we each get to choose the depth of a relationship that we have with God. It's our choice. You know, God is willing and he's waiting and he's knocking on the door of our hearts, just longing for more time with me and for more time with you, more time with his kids, you know, his beloved children. So, as I said when I opened, I'm a bit slow to learn sometimes. So, You know, you might just think after I've had this revolutionary dream that, like, I've never slipped back into seasons of only giving God minimal and limited access to my life and heart. But, you know, that would so not be the truth because I have. You know, my my deep down desire is to give him permanent full-time access. But so often, and I don't know if you can relate, you know, my heart, it gets distracted by other things. Um, And my broken belief systems can lead me looking to people or things for comfort and a sense of belonging. None of which can ever truly fill that, you know, that God-shaped hole that only God can fill. Genesis tells us how we were made in God's likeness and in his image. So if I'm created to be like him, then that's who I want to be. Like, you know, a chip off the old block and like my heavenly father 
And when you think about it, it's in spending lots of time, lots of regular and consistent time with God that that's how I'm going to become like him. You know, the more time I spend in his presence and the more like him I'm going to become and I'm going to take on his values and his behaviours. You know, when you've got full-time custody of, like, particularly small kids like I do with my son Joshua and my daughter Josie, um, you, you know, you're able to teach them the things that are important to you. You're able to focus in on your values. You can influence their behaviour. You can choose what food that they're going to eat, what, like, thing, what things they're going to watch and see and take in and the places they're going to go. They will learn from you, you know, how to treat people and how to communicate and they'll mimic you. That bit's really scary. Like They'll mimic you and copy your mannerisms and many of the things you say, whether good or bad. Hello. <laughs> no pressure as a parent, right? But, you know, unlike us, God is perfect. Unlike me, he's way, way on another level. And he's love. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And he sees the big picture, the beginning from the end. He always acts and reacts from a place of love. Like that is the foundation because that's who he is. He never acts or reacts out of brokenness and never with misguided or selfish motivations like we might do. Like I know sometimes as a parent, like seriously, I'm not acting out of love. I'm acting out of just thinking about me. But God's not like that, you know, like he is on a whole other level. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is higher. He is greater. But, you know, sometimes I think our view of God is distorted and broken and we're unable to see him for who he truly is. Like, I don't know, we end up acting, reacting towards him based from this really broken place. So a few years after I had this dream, I was just... I was thinking about it and I was reflecting and like it had never actually occurred to me like God why didn't you have full custody of me in that dream like what what was that about like I just never thought about it and I don't know like it occurred to me that generally like not in all cases but generally when someone doesn't have full custody of their child it's because they can't be trusted to do so or they're not being seen fit to do so. So I'm like, right, okay. So it just occurred to me, I'm like, because of my broken past, I had wrongly blamed God for some things that had happened to me. And as a result, I'd had a broken belief system that had told me that I couldn't actually fully trust God to take care of me. And as a result, I would often hold myself back from him and I would keep myself at what I considered to be a safe distance, like you can come this far but no further. And basically I was attempting to protect myself, like from being hurt or let down. I was attempting to do things in my own strength, which is so exhausting. And I don't know, I was basically living from a place of fear, not from a place of God's perfect love, which casts away all fear. So, I don't know, maybe you can relate to some of this in some way. I don't know. You know, I've had to renew my mind a lot since then to the truth of who God is and honestly, I'm still on the journey of doing that. And I have to do that to combat all the lies that can hold me back from coming into his presence and spending time with him. And, you know, I'm so grateful to say that, I don't know, since those years, 
Like my relationship definitely has strengthened and deepened with God. But, you know, some of those broken belief systems and fears still occasionally rear their ugly heads like they just do. And I don't know, I can, I can find myself pulling back from him again. And in those moments, you know, I still have a choice to make. The choice whether I'm going to run to God or whether I'm going to just, like, hide over here. Like, yeah, I'm just doing my own thing. And I have to choose to renew my mind and remind myself that he is a good, good father and that I can indeed trust him to take care of me. You know, I still have to keep refocusing again and again on God's perfect love, which 1 John 4.18 tells us, cast away all fear. I have to meditate on and remind myself of this. You know, I have to allow it to become bigger than the fears that can hold me back from God and from living the life of freedom that he ultimately has created me to live. I don't know, this morning, I don't know where life finds you, but perhaps you right now need to start reminding yourself of the truth of who God is so that you can combat any of the lies that are holding you back from God. I don't know, maybe you need to meditate and regularly read verses like Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Or maybe Jeremiah 31, 3, where God says, For I have loved you with an everlasting love. And I love it in the message paraphrase, which says, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. I also love John 10.10, which says how God desires to give you a life of abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. And it tells us that you're able to enter into this life of freedom through the gateway that is Jesus. Jesus. You know, he's the one who died for our sins to reconcile us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus, the one whose blood was shed on the cross so that by putting our faith in him, we're able to be made completely righteous and be able to come boldly into the throne room of God, into his presence and be adopted into his family and to be his kids. You know, if, if we don't see ourselves as being completely righteous, as, I don't know, because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, then that's also going to cause a blockage to us coming into God's presence and spending time with him. Because, quite frankly, you're not going to think you're good enough, you're not going to think you're worthy enough, and you're not going to really think that he's going to fully accept you and be like, come on in. So we're going to avoid him. We're not going to run to him. And if that resonates with you at all, if that's something that even subconsciously maybe you sometimes think, maybe you've never even been consciously aware of it, can I please implore you to decide, you know, to begin changing your broken belief systems in this area. Like start renewing your mind. Remind yourself that it's by Jesus' blood that you've been set free from the power of sin and that his blood has made you righteous. You know, begin to thank Jesus that because he shed his blood for you that, you know, you're able to come boldly into the throne room of God to your heavenly father. This is something that I've begun to do again. I'd gotten out of the habit, but I've begun to do it again the last few months. And it's so powerful. And I've seen the difference that doing it has made in me feeling more free and at ease in coming to God 
entering his presence and spending time with him. Like, it, seriously, it makes a difference. For those of you who were here at our Christmas Eve service, you would have heard me share how I'd gotten out of the habit of coming regularly and consistently into God's presence and spending time with him. And I wasn't giving him very much access to or input into my life and I was feeling the impact of it um, in a really negative way. I was feeling overwhelmed and burdened, emotional and really tired and just really self-focused, quite frankly. So while I took some much-needed time just to get away and reflect, I I don't know, like I began to journal and the verse Matthew 11, 28 to 30 um, came back to my remembrance because Pastor Margot had just um, preached out of that, I think it was the Sunday before. And so I began to read it. So let me read it to you. It'll be up on the screens. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? So religion, not relationship, like, you know, it's not relationship. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Like, I love that scripture so much and God just has kept bringing me back to it and back to it again and again since that day in December that I read it. And, you know, when I read it, it was like God was speaking directly to the season that I was in um, and that I've been walking through and then I can see myself walking out of, you know, it's a season of feeling maybe a bit tired, emotionally worn out, just wanting a break, wanting to feel freer and lighter. And this scripture, I just love it, Um, if we can have it back up again, in it we find the solution, like the solution to our ailments is come to God and spend time with him, watch how he does things and learn from him, like that's like spending time with someone, right? And in turn, he will teach us how to live a rested life, a life free from burden and a life that sees us walking in freedom. And that so sounds like something that I want to be experiencing in my life. Anybody else? Yeah? (laughs) So, in the lead up to this year kicking off, I knew that I needed to make some kind of, some changes to how I was doing life so that, I don't know, 2018 would look different. Like, I couldn't keep going down the same path. So, I set six very intentional goals for my life in 2018. And in response to Matthew 11, 28 to 30, I formed my first and number one goal for 2018, which you're so blessed to get to hear today. Um, So that goal is to cultivate my relationship with God, to build intimacy with him and grow in my knowledge of him and his perfect love, to allow him to grow and transform me. So this goal is the most important goal that I have because The way I figure it on all the reflection that I did in in writing these goals, like if this area of my life is flourishing, then every other area of my life will flourish. You know, flourishing in this area will bring true contentment and peace and joy to my soul. And it will positively affect my entire life and all of my relationships. You know, I want to be a better wife and I want to be a better mum and that encompasses some of my other goals. But, you know, if... If my relationship with God isn't flourishing, I ain't going to be able to do those things better or well at all. So, 
you know, you've got to get first things first, right? So in practical terms, let's get practical. In, all, in order to cultivate this goal, um, it was a matter of breaking it down, okay? And what are the little daily, itty-bitty things that I can start doing? Little things add up, right? What are the things that I can start doing so that I can slowly but surely start seeing this goal become a reality? You know, and I've not been consistent at all times with these and that's okay because, you know, I'm getting there. I'm headed in the right direction. So some of the things I've been doing and maybe there's some, they're things that you might be able to, I don't know, do yourself as well. So I've been prayer journaling. This is something I've always loved doing but for me it's just a time to kind of just sit and I basically just write to God, like, I love it. Another thing that I've been aiming to do is to read or listen to because, you know, sometimes after a long day, I cannot be bothered reading. I'm going to fall asleep. So I get my Bible app and I let that little fake pretend man read that Bible verse to me. Like, read it to me. I figure it's better than nothing, right? So my goal for this year is to read one chapter of the New Testament every day. And quite frankly, you know, I have not hit that mark every day. But I'm not going to fall into the trap that I have before where I'm like, oh, I haven't done it every day. There's no point continuing. It's like, no, you know what? I can pull on my bootstraps, keep going, let's keep reading or listening. Yeah. Another thing I've been doing is writing down God's truth and about me and declaring it over my life. So I kind of looked at all the things and I'm like, the goals that I'd set, and I'm like, right, let's find scriptures. Let's declare those things as being done. Like, let's declare that I am the most awesome wife. Praise God. Um, like that I love my husband well and that I make him, you know, feel like, you know, awesome and that I'm an amazing mum. Like I'm declaring that over my life because I want that to be my reality, right? So I've been doing that. And I also like stick things up on my wall, like the end of my bed. I've got these, they're not pretty, they're not Pinterest worthy, but like things like, you know, God, I think that you're a good, good father. You only ever do good. You only ever want good for my life. And sometimes, you know, just sit there and read that, like speak it over myself. Easy things, stick it on your bathroom mirror, do all that stuff. And another thing I've started doing, like I used to like to get up before the kids and before Luke and I'd go into the kitchen and make a herbal tea and journal and spend time with God. But you know what? Like of late, if I got up and did that, the kids would wake up and boom, there's my time gone, like what was the point of that? So I'm like, okay, there's no kettle. The kettle is not boiling. And I've just been like laying in bed. I'm like, you know what? I can lay in bed. I'm pretty sure you can lay in bed and spend some time with God. So when I wake up, God willing, I don't check Instagram first, but I will just like let that wait. And I will just lay there and prop myself up with a pillow so I'm less likely to fall asleep. And I will just thank Jesus for his broken body. And I don't know, just thank him that because of that I am made healthy and whole. And I thank him for his blood that it has made me completely righteous and able to come into God's presence. And so essentially it's kind of like a deconstructed communion time where I just renew my mind to the finished work of Jesus. And that has been so powerful, like seriously, in renewing my mind, like I can just feel it's, I guess like if I'm not like a fitness person, but you know, the more just a little, little bit 
doing it each day. You can just feel yourself getting fitter, getting healthy. Like, it, it makes a difference. It's been really good. Now, the latest thing I've been doing, also while still in bed. Hello, you can do this, right? Bed is easy. Um, so, and again, it doesn't happen every day. Sometimes those kids, they wake up early. Daylight savings has ended people. <laughs> it has changed things. But, you know, when I can, you know, I will pop my headphones into my phone and into my ears and I will begin to listen to a playlist of songs that I have specifically created on my phone and it's called God's Love. So for me, fear is one of those like ugly little things that keeps holding me back from God. So you know what, I need to renew my mind to God's love. So like I'm meditating on those words of those songs, I take the time just to worship or just focus on God. I'm something I'm trying to do more of is in that time to pray in tongues. I haven't been doing it much lately, but I know that I'm getting there. Um, so I just take that time. And like I said, it's not every day because life happens. But, you know, it's still getting me closer to the goal. Um, and you know what? I didn't start doing all of those things on January 1st. It's like gradually, gradually, you know, this month I've added this or this month I've made more of a focus to start doing that. And as one becomes a real habit, I don't kind of have it on my little goal list for that month. Um, but I don't know, like... Can I encourage you, like, know what season you're in. Like, you know, I am in a season of mothering small children and, like, there is another one coming really soon. So, you know, it's knowing that getting up out of bed for me and doing that thing probably ain't going to be maintainable in this next little newborn season. Like, in bed? Hello, that is doable. I want to be able to maintain this for the rest of my year and set myself up to mother three kids really well. So, I'm like... I can do those things while feeding a kid in bed. I can do those things when I'm like, maybe haven't had much sleep. Like, like know your season. Don't expect to be up maybe for four hours praying tomorrow morning when you've not, like start with five minutes. Like get a worship song. There's so many worship songs that go like five, seven minutes. Like we can focus that long. Come on. Like have a go. Like start and don't, you know, get down on yourself if you miss a day or a week. Or a month, like, get back on the horse, let's keep going. Like, God is still waiting. Even if you miss a week, he's still waiting. He's still longing to spend time with you. You know, I'm really excited as I continue to, I don't know, like, draw closer to God and little by little, day by day, become closer to him. Like, I'm really excited to see what my life's going to look like in December this year. I'm excited to see what God does in my life over these next eight months as I continue to cultivate my relationship with him. Like, things have got to look different. They're going to. I know they will. And my prayer today is that these next eight months, and not that we're just confined to some calendar year or anything, but just that these next eight months also see you stepping closer to your Heavenly Father and cultivating a more intimate relationship with him. Like... I don't know, like, I just encourage you, you know, take a small step or maybe for you it's going to be a giant running leap. Either way, you know, you're going to be closer. You're going to be moving in the best possible direction into the presence of your good, good heavenly father and you're going to be allowing him more access to your life. He's, he's waiting for you with arms wide open 
Now I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Dan. Um, yeah. God, I thank you that you truly are a good, good father. And I just thank you that you just long for time with us. And may your Holy Spirit, even now, begin speaking to our hearts and opening our eyes to things that might be blocking us from coming into your presence, things that we have, I don't know, like misbelief about you. Open our eyes to it so that we can like combat these things and renew our mind to cut them down and make you and your love bigger. I thank you that we are all just so loved by you. And I thank you that you've put inside of us just this God-shaped hole that only you can fill And may we just take that step day by day to come closer and closer to you. And I thank you that your word promises that as we do, you will come closer to us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. How good is Kylie? I love going to connect because Kylie and Luke are our connect group leaders and they're just amazing. We've got just this great little community and if you're not in a connect group get into a connect group so this morning i'm going to be reading out of uh the same passage so matthew 11:28 28 to 30 and who knows that god's word is living and it's active so a revelation that kylie might have could be a different revelation for me out of it could be a different revelation for you but it's the same word and it's it just proves that it's living and active and i'll read it again matthew 11:28 28 says are you tired Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Sounds so good. Now I want to talk this morning about the rhythms. Our galaxy works in a rhythm. The way all our planets rotate around the sun, it's rhythmic. And then you focus in a little bit closer on the earth and the way earth rotates. And because of that rotation, we've got different seasons. We've got, you know, uh, autumn, then winter, and then spring, and then summer. Bring it into a day. We've got day, and we've got night. Bring it in a little bit tighter. We've got 60 seconds in a minute. 60 minutes in an hour, and 24 hours in which that all perfectly fits into. It's perfect. It's rhythmic, day in, day out. We like rhythm. I like rhythm. doesn't mean you can dance if you don't have rhythm. Everyone's got rhythm. We need it to survive. You know, if you take people out of a situation where they have that rhythm. So an example of is if you take someone into a place and it's, it's just a, a room, there's no windows, no sound, no anything, and you don't give them the ability to tell when it's day or night, insanity very quickly sets in. It, you, you rob someone of that rhythm and things start to go wrong. And when I'm not in the rhythm, it can get ugly I want to share a little story with you where I had a real revelation about this and it all started 
well, probably the, the crescendo of it was a couple of months ago, um, and it was on a Sunday. Is this going to get awkward? So late last year, I started a new career path, and I started doing project management. Has anyone else done or is a project manager? I know Jono's done it before. It is hard. It's like really hard. I didn't know what I was in for. So my stress levels at work prior to that, they were like 50%, 60 It's pretty easy. I knew what I was doing. All of a sudden, I step into this project management role, and my stress levels, bang, 110%. People are going, oh, Dan, it can't be 110%. It was. It was. You weren't there. It was 110%. So anyway, wind the clock forward a little bit, and it's February. A couple of months ago, and it's Saturday night leading into Sunday. I had a bad sleep. I had about three hours sleep. And I turn up, and that morning I was worship leading. And I was tired. I was very tired. And the service went well, didn't affect me at all. It was great. Great morning. But after, by the end of the, the service, I was, I was wrecked. I was physically and mentally exhausted. I, 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 could, have just, I could have fallen asleep on the floor. Um, that's how I felt. But my day wasn't over. There was a group of us from Connect, our awesome Connect group, who decided to go to the escape rooms down in Newcastle. So these are like, you get, you get locked up in a room with a group of people and the point of this room is to, in your allocated amount of time, figure out the puzzle to escape. So there is a specific way to get out of this room. And it took us the whole 40 minutes to do it and even then we didn't get it done. And there was an issue with the way the room was set up and we didn't have our notepad and pen and by the end of it, I was livid. I was so frustrated because I have to win stuff. It's just who I am. I have to win and I couldn't and I was, I was, I was up to here. Anyway, my day wasn't finished. Next, we had to go to my sister-in-law's to pick up a queen-size mattress. Jess is laughing already, and you will too, don't worry. So we have to pick up this queen-size mattress, and all I've got to, to, to get it home is we've got a, a Toyota Prado. We didn't have a trailer or anything like that, and we had a couple of roof racks. So I went, let's just chuck it on top, strap it down, and away we go. Get in the car, and we're halfway home, and I hear this beep, 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 beep. I look in the rearview mirror, and Jess is going, pull off the road. I'm like, oh, okay. So we pull into one of the side roads in Mayfield and the mattress, as I'm driving, is like bobbing up like this at the front and it's starting to slide off. And I'm just, it's hot. It's like 34 degrees. I'm disappointed and so frustrated that we didn't get out of that room. I was tired because I was on three hours sleep. Work was busy. I'm already thinking about work. Get that. I'm already thinking about work for the next day. I'm already thinking about meetings that are coming up on Monday. I had a big meeting. I had to sit in front of a board and I am stressed. I am super stressed. And now Jess goes, well, why don't we just like put the seats down in the Prado and just put it in? (sighs) All right. What do we got to lose? So I'm on the side of the road in Mayfield trying to fold a queen-size mattress into the back of a Prado like a taco. 
we get the front half in and I go around the back and I try shoving the last half into the car. And it's obviously this whole heap of stuff in the Prado. It's getting stuck on seats and that. And it just flicks me and flicks itself back out. There's just an end bit hanging in there and I just throw it on the ground and I start gangster kicking it <laughs> like it was ready to... Like it should have been dead. I kid you not, I was stomping on this thing. It was a low point. It really was. But the hardest thing about that whole thing... Like we think it's funny, but I was, I was up to here. The hardest part about that was looking at my wife's face and the disappointment on her face as I had lost it. I had lost it. I was, I was very much out of rhythm. I'd let the stress take over the rhythm of my life. You know, God's designed us for a rhythmic pace and today it just seems really hard for us to get in it. You know, we're constantly waiting for the weekend. Who here goes to work and you go, it's Monday morning, countdown to Friday. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's going, yes, that is me. But you know what? How many times do we go away for a week and it takes us three or more days to just unwind? You know, we get to day eight, we're back at work, and by 10 a.m., we're stressed already. Stressed out. Holiday wasn't restful at all. You would have been better off staying at work saving your leave for another time because now you've got 300 emails to catch up on. If you're lucky, 300 emails. People wanting your attention and within minutes, you're already running at 110% like I was. The problem is, I'm totally going to use your cup, Kylie. The problem is where we anchor our rhythm to. You know, if we're anchoring our lives to our job or our family or our friends or, or something like that, it can be taken away in a second. Here's another one for you, and I'm going to challenge you this morning. Are you anchored to a Sunday service? Are you through the week going, just got to make it to Sunday? Pastor Marty's going to preach something and I'll be fine. Or are you there going, Gee, it's got to be a good Sunday service. I hope they don't sing Reckless Love again. I can't stand that song. If they sing it again, oh, I'm just going to... It's just going to rob me of my Sunday and then that's it. I love you, Sandy. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, we can anchor ourselves to a Sunday service, not who the service is about. Jesus says, come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. You know, when Jesus was speaking about this, he referenced a yoke. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's something that everyone back then would have understood. But it's something that's a little bit foreign to us. Because we read it and we go, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Burden? I don't want a burden. I don't like burdens. So we can really misunderstand what he's saying here. And I think that if we think about a yoke, we think that it's something that weighs us down. And because of technology, I've just lost my place. (laughs) Should have done a Kylie and gone with the flick page. It's all right. But the point of the yoke was to bring one 
or two bulls or oxen together so that they could submit to the pace of the farmer or the rhythm setter. The farmer would have the ability to go faster or slower by being able to pull or slacken off on the yoke. Because the oxen were tied to that rhythm of the farmer. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Jesus knew that we would encounter stress, that our lives would be busy. And in Matthew chapter 6, you know, sometimes we need to read something down the end of the Bible and then come back and then read it again just to give it a bit more context and help us understand. If we go to Matthew 6 verse 27, it says, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? I wish I was six foot. I really do. Everyone goes, how high are you? And I go, 176 centimetres. Because then people would go, oh, I can't be bothered converting that into feet. But then I realise they just have to look at me and they know I'm not six feet, so I don't care. It says, all this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think that makes much of a difference? Instead of looking at fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Next. I'll keep reading. If God gives such attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are even never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? Here's the crescendo. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. So good. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you, you know God and how he works. Luke talked a few weeks ago about being peculiar people, being different, having something to offer. But if we're not yoked to Jesus, then we're in the same boat as everyone else. We're getting stressed and anxious about everything. But we know God and we know how he works. If we're truly yoked to him, we know that he's our provider. We know that he's our redeemer, that he's our healer, that he's our help in our time of need and that he's the rest for our soul. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out and you'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Jesus knew about the fear of missing out which is really, it's pandemic today. People are so worried about not being invited to Thermomix parties or, you know, not having the same, not having a Harley Davidson while everyone else has got Suzuki's or whatever. You know, we're so caught up with stuff. We're so caught up with keeping up with the Joneses. We're so caught up with work and everything that we miss the moment. We miss right now. Because we're too busy, worried about work tomorrow. But God's already there. When we start to think about these kind of things, it 
takes us out of that rhythm. In verse 34, it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come when the time comes. When the time comes. It's not tomorrow. It's not in a week. It's not in a month. When the time comes, it's in the moment. And that very reason is why we need to yoke ourselves to the one constant in the universe. The one thing that remains unchanged day in and day out. We can rely on him to set the rhythm and set the pace that he's designed our lives to be in. It says in Hebrews, it says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. He is constant. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who does not change like the shifting shadows. Does it mean my life is going to get less busy? Not necessarily. Between that time a couple of months ago and now, I've got flights back and forth to Brisbane coming up and life is probably even busier. doesn't mean God's just going to clear my schedule, but he is going to give me rest when I need it. It's not about, you know, being busy is not a bad thing. Being busy, I like being busy. I like being busy. But when it overtakes me and I become stressed and anxious about what's coming up, that's when something's wrong. That's when I'm not yoked to Jesus. And that's when being busy can be a bad thing. You know, some, some of you, you might need to just clear some stuff out of your schedules. You might need to go, you know what, there's some stuff I can just take out here. I'm going to spend some time with God. You know, Kylie just laid it all out exactly on how we can just spend some time with him. That's where we get a rest. You are not going to get a rest in the Whit Sundays. Not a rest for your soul. A rest for your body, absolutely. You get massages and everything, it's great. But it's not going to give you rest for your soul. And that's what we need. In the busy times, we need rest for our soul. You know, in those busy times, all we just need to do is stop. Just stop and you don't even have to close your eyes. You can be in a meeting. Just kind of just keep listening while you're doing it. But just say, God, I know you're there. I'm really feeling it right now. But I trust you. And I know what... I know that you want what's best for me, so I submit myself to your leading right now, your leading, your pace, your rhythm. And in those moments, we can get rest for our soul and just, it's gone, it's gone. You'll still be busy. You still have another meeting to get to or, you know, you might be, you know, late for dropping off the kids. That's okay. Life is busy. It's just the way it is right now. But we can have it and have rest for our soul. I'm just going to get the band to come back up and I just want to pray because I know a lot of people this morning can identify with that. I know a lot of people here, your business owners um, or you work in really you know, stressful jobs with long hours, you're in hospitals, you're everywhere. 
you're in uni, that's stressful too. And what I want to do right now is I just want to pray that this morning we would just get that rest for our soul. Not necessarily that we would be any less busy, but if you need to make those changes, you go ahead and do it. But sometimes we just need to stop, get that rest for our soul. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are our help in our time of need. That you have everything in plan for what is best for us. And God, we just right now, we just hand everything over to you. All the worries and all the stress and anxiety, God, we just let it go. We don't want to worry about what's happening tomorrow because you're already there. We want to live in the now, the right now. We don't want to miss anything that you have for us because we want to be focused on you right now. And God, I just pray as we go through our weeks, God, that we would set aside that time and we would recognise when we are out of step with you that it's like a three-legged race. If we try to run at our own pace, we just fall over. But if we step in time with you, We're bound to you like that yoke and like a three-legged race. We'll walk with you, work with you and watch how you do it. And God, I just thank you that you are with us, you are for us and that you have a plan for us, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.